Hi friends, welcome to I Am Epiphany, where my guests and I share the epiphanies that come from our personal journeys. You will get to hear my thoughts on a wide range of topics from pop culture to social justice issues to simply navigating life as a Black millennial. This is season two. I am your creator and host, author and speaker, Bethany Epiphany, and it is my pleasure to welcome you back. What it do, boo? It's your girl, Bethany Epiphany here. Now, I know I missed the last episode, but it was Memorial Day weekend and your girl needed a break. But it's good to be back. I hope you all are well. Welcome back. How are you? Have you taken time out of your day to do any deep breathing or think about something or someone that you are grateful for? If not, I highly recommend doing one or both. Something that I am grateful for these days are drum roll please my new rollerblades and my new roller skates yes your girl is out here gliding okay breeze in my face and blowing through my coils i love it now let me explain because some of you are probably like rollerblades so i was at the beach and i saw this girl roller skating And she just looked so free. There was a levity to her. And I'm like, I'm going to get me some skates and come to the beach and skate and feel free and let the ocean breeze hit my face too. So I began my mission to find some rollerblades. So I go to Dick's Sporting Goods. I picked out a nice pair of rollerblades, got to the register and was told my purchase was $164. I said, girl, what? I thought at the most they would be like $60. And I don't remember seeing the price of the rollerblades while I was at the store. So I told the cashier, never mind, sis. (laughs) And I walked right out of the store. Like, I left them right there. Like, Since when did rollerblades become so expensive? So I continued my quest. I stopped at Walmart. No luck. Then I went to Target. Target, if you bougie. And they had some for $40. And I was like, yes, okay, this is what I'm talking about. This is is budget friendly. So I buy my rollerblades. I bought safety gear from Walmart, and I'm ready to go, go, go. Or so I thought. Y'all, do you know I almost busted my ass on those rollerblades? I was so molded. Like, you have to understand, when I was a kid, I would fly on rollerblades. Like, I never had any issues. So I'm thinking... This is just going to be like riding a bike, you know? It's just one of those things that you don't forget how to do. Let me tell you, my mind was all for it. But my body was like, Bish, what are you doing? Thank God I bought knee pads and shit. Like, granted, I never fell. I never fell. But there were multiple moments where I could have. 
It was one of those whoa, 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 like moments when you have to like catch yourself right before your face plants like right on the ground. See, I was trying to align my body with my mind because I had already seen myself gliding at the beach. Like I visualized it. You know, I saw myself doing this. Little did I know that my body needed to be retrained. But friends, I did not lose hope. I was determined. So every day for a week, I would go out and practice on my rollerblades. First, I started off doing a little at a time. You know, you don't climb the mountain in a day. You take it one step at a time. Rollerblading on the sidewalk in my neighborhood. Never going past more than four or five houses before turning back and going back to my house. Then I was, you know, getting more comfortable. So I got in the street and I went up and down my street. Then I went around the block. Okay. And now I'm moving and grooving. Okay. Listening to my music. Listen, when I'm rollerblading and like listening to Beyonce, it's just everything. It's everything. The hard part about this process was figuring out how to stop okay (laughs) how do you stop like and I'm still learning I'm still working on it but that that's the toughest part and you gotta watch out for the rocks okay those rocks will fuck you up but I'm so much better now like I was rollerblading and my neighbor walked past me and she's a black woman and she was like I need to get me some I'm like yes sis get you a pair you know I'm out here inspiring the masses and I'm I'm proud so I got my rollerblades because of how my my childhood was and like I said I was very comfortable on rollerblades but when I thought back to the image of the girl at the beach I remembered that she had on roller skates not roller blades. So I said, I'm going to get me some roller skates. And after all, they're supposed to be, they're supposed to be easier than roller blades. So I go to this roller skating shop in Long Beach. Let me just pause right here. Y'all, I love Long Beach. It's chill and like eclectic and beachy and like diverse. And I, I love Long Beach and I will have a nice big home there someday. Like that's where I want to live. But anyways, I go to this cute little skate shop and I see the skates that I want. They are this gold glittered pair and everything in my soul says you must have these. So I try them on and it's love at first fit. Now we get to the price. Now, since this is like a legit skate shop, like these are real skates, like I know they're going to be pricey. My skates were $149. I know, I know, I know. And I was complaining about the rollerblades, but I really wanted them and I don't spend money often. I'm a frugal franny and... I wanted it and I could afford it. 
So I bought the skates, the socks, the shirt. I'm about to be cute. I'm about to be so cute. Plus, there were things I learned about skates, like the types of wheels, the feel of the actual shoe, the quality of the stopper in front, the nuts and the the nuts and bolts, girl. Like, who knew? Not me. So I make my purchase and walk next door to all the, you know, shops and boutiques and like I roll into this spot called The Hangout, which was really dope. It was like a bookstore slash clothing store slash bar slash plant place. It was cool. So I go to the book section, naturally, where I discover these adult coloring books, which I had been wanting to get one. The coloring book I bought is entitled My Vag, A Rhyming Coloring Book by Marguerite Cutler. That's right, friends. I bought a rhyming coloring book that is all about the vagina. And I love it. You know what? I'm going to read you a few of the rhymes. Hold on. I'm going to actually... Let me... Okay, so you're going to hear pages turning, but that's okay. So, the first poem from my coloring book. My Vag is a struggling poet, undervalued by society, hoping for better health care and reduced anxiety. And the picture is of a black woman. (laughs) Of a black woman. Spitting poetry. Spitting poetry. The next poem. My vag is a starfish, steady and strong, swatting away a weak little prawn. (laughs) My vag is an octopus, squishy and coy, moving with grace, emerging with joy. And this is the last one that I will read. My vag is an owl. Hoot hoot, motherfuckers. Hoping, oop, keeping you up all night. Full feathers, no pluckers. Hells yeah. Hells yeah. I am over the moon. Love, love, love this book. I mean, the creativity. Shout out to the vag. Shout out, you know, okay, but I digress. Okay, I digress. I'm getting back on track. Back to the skating. So I get home, put my roller skates on, thinking this is about to be a breeze because I conquered the roller blades. Y'all, I was molded again. Listen, rollerblading and roller skating require leg strength, core strength and body coordination. And for some reason, I have yet to really get my coordination together with these skates. Like right now, roller skating is more challenging than rollerblading. Shout out to all those black folks dancing and twirling on these bad boys. I have no idea how you do that. Shout out to my roller derby queens. How in the world? How... How in the world can you rollerblade so fast 
on a slanted circle going around and around and slam heifers into the wall. Like, that's some gangster shit. (laughs) Shout out to y'all. Like, despite the learning curve, I have truly, truly enjoyed my skates and rollerblades. Like, they have been a, a big stress reliever. And at moments, it feels like I'm flying, and I love it. Um, Something else that I've been doing to relieve stress is clean. So on Netflix, they have a show with Marie Kondo. For those who don't know, Marie wrote the best-selling book, The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up. So Marie is a renowned tidying expert, helping people around the world to transform their cluttered homes into spaces of serenity and inspiration. The foundation of her method is to keep things that speak to the heart and to discard items that no longer spark joy. So you have to like hold each item and see how it makes you feel. And you start with clothes, then books, then papers like miscellaneous and sentimental items. So I started with my clothes and with her method, you are supposed to take out every single item of clothing you have, right? So out of your drawers, out of your um, closet and put it into one big pile. And the purpose of this is to reacquaint yourself with your items, to remind yourself of how much you already have and to begin the tidying method. So that's what I did. And y'all, I highly recommend doing this. Like, I pulled out so many clothes that I completely forgot about. It was like seeing an old friend. I was like, girl, where have you been? Get in here. Like, and it definitely dampens the desire to buy more clothes. Like for sure. Like I was looking at my pile. I was like, wow, like definitely had more clothes than I thought. Um, One thing I was having difficulty with um, the process was, joy of clothing versus the practicality of the clothes like it may not spark deep joy but I know I could use this for work for work for example I used to work with little little kids and with kids crying pooping sneezing licking dumping things over pulling things out like I needed clothes that were practical clothes that were good for the job I was doing um, even now in my work, I have collared shirts and things that are practical for where I am now, right? And I didn't want to have to like repurchase things that I needed. But you know what? As I'm saying this out loud, I guess I can have clothes that are both practical and spark joy. Yeah, that's possible. That's possible. So basically, I'll be revisiting my closet. <laughs> I I get it, Marie. I get it, girl. So try the method for yourself. Start with your clothes and see how it goes. Um, What else has been going on? Update. Um, so I went to my first... 
Well, I guess technically it's my second social event since COVID. Um, but these two events were like, they were very, very different. So this last event I went to, it was an outdoor hangout with a large group of friends. And I was feeling okay about it. Like the cases are low. They, and I was excited to see my friends. So I go to the event. I walk through the doors. And I am the only one wearing a mask. The only one. The only one out of the, enti- out of the entire group of people that were there. I was the only one with a mask. I would say there was between like like maybe 30 to 40 people in attendance and I'm the only one <laughs> with a mask on. So I was kind of like taken aback when I first got there. I was like, "Oh, uh-uh. I don't I don't know how I, how I feel about this." It's kind of like when there's a company party for your job and the party is a costume party and you decide to follow the theme and come dressed in a costume and you come dressed as a mermaid and you show up wearing your coconut bra and mermaid tail with your red area wig and nobody in that mofo has a costume on. You're the only one who followed the rules and showed up in costume while everyone else decided to pass. So you're standing there in your coconut bra, feeling foolish. That's exactly how I felt. I'm like, so none of y'all wear masks? Okay, like, all right. I, you know, I felt awkward. Um, I felt awkward. And I was like, should I take my mask off? Should I take... I kept it on. I was very proud of myself. Despite feeling silly, despite feeling like, you know, I'm the only one, I kept my mask on like the whole time. And everyone there respected my decision to do so, which is why I love this group of friends. Like nobody had anything foul to say. Everybody knows that we're all navigating through this the best way that we know how. And it was, you know, it was cool. But the next day, (laughs) the next day I was definitely like paranoid. I was monitoring my body to see if I had any symptoms and I did not. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Because I was like definitely monitoring. Um, What I'm also thanking God for is my new portable AC. Amen. Um, Folks keep saying it's going to be a hot summer. And the heat is turning up in Cali. It's turning up, but there's still like a little breeze. But your girl is ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. Because I refuse to endure another hot-ass summer without AC like I did last year. Last year was horrible. There I was. Sweating. End of story. That's it. I wasn't moving. I wasn't doing anything. I was just sitting and sweating. Feeling the sweat bead up on my skin and roll down my body. Ladies, you know the breast sweat 
that collects underneath your boob and catches in your bra? That was me, girl. Lil Drip Drip. That should have been my rapper name. <laughs> Lil Drip Drip. Girl, I refuse. I refuse. I refuse, honey. Like, to be put in that same predicament? No. So I got my AC, and I'll let y'all know how she holds up. But with that, we are going to take a short break and come right back and talk about these bonnets. And we're back. Okay, friends. So my epiphany this week was sparked by comedian Monique who posted a video about black women wearing bonnets and it goes viral and sparks all this controversy and conversation. In her video, Monique talks about how she was at the airport and saw black women in their bonnets and how it concerned her and how she did not like it. Here are her words. It took me a minute to say what I'm going, what I'm getting ready to say because I want to make sure I'm not saying it from a place of judgment and that I'm saying it from a place of love. Some of y'all have given me the title of auntie and I'm honored that y'all do that. But there are times that auntie has to talk to her babies and say some real shit. Yesterday, I was at the airport in Atlanta And as we began to walk through the airport, I saw so many, actually too many to count. I saw so many of our young sisters in head bonnets, scarves, slippers, pajamas, blankets wrapped around them. And this is how they're showing up to the airport. I've been seeing it not just at the airport. I've been seeing it at the store, at the mall. When did we lose pride in representing ourselves? When did we slip away from, let me make sure I'm presentable when I leave my home? All I'm saying is, could you please comb your hair? I'm not saying you don't have pride, but the representation that you're showing, someone will have to ask you to know if you have it. It's not to get a man. It is just your representation of you, my sweet babies. When I say, hey, queen, I can only say it to the sisters that it belongs to because a lot of us are still in queen training. So if you're in queen training, stop being fearful of taking your position. Queens don't walk around with bonnets and headscarves and slippers and pajamas. That's for the house. When you go outside, represent you, baby, like you are worthy and you deserve the title. Okay. So, let me begin by saying that I have enjoyed Monique as a comedian and an actress. I respect her and the journey she has traveled. Um, I do not believe this video was posted with malice. 
but she made a lot of assumptions and misjudgments and it reeked of respectability politics. For those who aren't familiar, respectability politics is a set of beliefs um, holding that conformity to prescribed mainstream standards of appearance and behavior, i.e. white people, will protect a person who is part of a marginalized group, especially a black person, from prejudices and systemic injustices. So basically, the more you conform to whiteness, the better off you will be. Oh, Chile, 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 Chile. Where do I begin with this? Okay. Number one, Monique is old school, okay? She's old school. Black people in her generation and those in generations long before her are very familiar with this idea of conformity in order to be treated better by white people. To me, respectability politics way back then was about black survival and progressing in life. So black people conk their hair, dress like white folks, and desire to have what the white folks had, which was safety um, and stability. And if it meant conformity, then so be it. However, we are now living in a time when we are opposing white conformity and deprogramming ourselves and unlearning certain behaviors and practices that have kept black people from simply existing in the world as their authentic selves. Anything that is stopping black people from being their authentic self is being opposed. To me, Monique's comment is about respectability politics because it was all about how Black women would be perceived by other people. My question is, who are these other people? Who are we looking good for at the airport? Now, some will say that Monique's comment was about self-pride and looking good for yourself. Well, if that's the case, what if I feel like I look good in my bonnet? If I feel I look good in my bonnet, then mission accomplished. Why am I so concerned about these other people? Again, who are these people? If we lived in a world that was all black, if it was Wakanda up in here, would Monique have the same concerns? If there were no white people, would the energy be the same? This bonnet conversation reminds me of the issues black people encounter when wearing their natural, their natural hair. Back in the day, Black people thought that their natural hair was ugly. Why? Because white people thought it looked ugly and they taught us to despise ourselves. So we made sure to look quote unquote respectable by conking our hair, pressing our hair straight, perming our hair straight to conform to white standard. Uh, our hair was <laughs> not wild, right? Um, or quote-unquote wild, it was respectable. 
there was a time when if you wore your natural hair, some black folks might think you weren't taking pride in yourself. But then came the black power movement where our hair took center stage and we wore our afros and declared black power and opposed that type of thinking. And now, generations later, we have the natural hair movement where we are learning to embrace our coils and love our hair as it is. There was a time when some black people didn't like how other black people locked their hair and thought locks did not represent pride, but rather someone who was lazy and unkempt and simply did not want to do their hair. We don't think that way now. But because we took pride in ourselves and how we looked, it changed the conversation and it changed the perception. Not only do we not think that way, but there have been runway shows with famous designers who had their white supermodels sporting locks, okay? Um, Of course, they weren't real locks. They were these horrible, horrible looking wigs. Um, The hair that was once seen as bad was now being highlighted on a major white runway. No surprise there. And I'll come back to this point later. But the point I'm making right now is We decide what is respectable, not white folks. Me being myself is a lesson for others to be more accepting, to be less judgmental. It's redefining what is acceptable. It's redefining what respectable is, right? Um, There was a point in time when (laughs) coming to work in jeans and a t-shirt wasn't seen as taking pride or wasn't seen as respectable and now look at how things are now look at how the workspace is changing the point is do not assume that I do not love or have pride in who I am simply because I am wearing a bonnet if I'm happy with myself and love myself and think I look good in this bonnet why would I care about what anyone else thinks or has to say to me it's a sign of pride and confidence if a woman goes to the airport in her bonnet and cares nothing of what others think about her. That's pride to me. Pride is unapologetically existing as you are. Number two, guess what? These quote-unquote other people can assume the worst about Black women, bonnet or not simply because uh, she's a black woman. For example, Henry Louis Gates Jr., Jr., um, who is a respected scholar and Harvard professor, was arrested in his home, in his own home. He was arrested on suspicion of breaking into his own home near Harvard, the university where he is an eminent professor. He was handcuffed, fingerprinted, and locked in a cell for four hours for what the local police force said was, quote, loud and tumultuous behavior amounting to disorderly conduct. We're talking about Henry Louis Gates Jr. 
He is intelligent, accomplished. He's already respected and he was treated like trash. Respectability politics doesn't work for black people because of how this country perceives blackness. It doesn't matter how you dress or what your social status is, there is always the possibility that you will get mistreated simply because you are black. Number three. This is going back to the point I made earlier. I will quote columnist from the Philadelphia Inquirer, Janice Armstrong, when she writes, if Kim Kardashian showed up at the LAX with a bonnet and a pair of designer shades, the world would celebrate and hail it as a new fashion trend. She would even get richer with her own line of satin bonnets. But when African-Americans wear the exact same thing, they get called ghetto. End of quote. It's always ghetto and ugly when black people do it, but when someone from another cultural background steals the idea and wears the same thing, it becomes a popular trend. Like, in fact, in 2019, a white woman claimed that she invented the bonnet, which she called a, quote, nightcap. She created a business out of this, was making money as an entrepreneur, Black people found out and Black Twitter went in. In an article with Fashion Magazine, entrepreneur Sarah Moratz Lindenberg claims she came up with the idea of a washable silk head wrap that prevents breakouts and preserves hairstyles. Sarah says, my concept came out of a problem that needed solving. Explained Morantz, who founded the company Nightcap to sell her so-called invention that was already being used by millions of Black women every day. Sarah says, it inspired me to create something of my own. It has a lot of features of a silk pillowcase. It's great for your hair follicles, promoting hair growth, preventing breakage, preventing frizz. And if you do style your hair, it keeps the style together longer. Your hair produces a natural oil at night. And this way, the oil can recirculate and not get transferred onto the pillowcase. It also helps to strengthen your hair by promoting growth and helping breakage. And it's great for thinning hair. Girl, shut up. Shut Shut up, girl. See, this... This is what white folks do. This, they steal from black folks. She didn't invent nothing, nothing, okay? She took an idea and slapped her name on it. Not only, not only did she take this idea that has been around for generations. I mean, even white women would wrap their hair up at night. Girl, you ain't, you didn't, <laughs> what did you invent? So not only did she take this idea and claim it as her own, she had the nerve to charge $98 for that crap. 98 American dollars for a bonnet that I could get for $5. And people paid for it. Guaranteed that if Sarah walked through the airport with her quote-unquote nightcap, no one would care. 
No one would say anything to her because she is a white woman and she can do what she wants. No one cares. Number four. As a comedian, Monique's stand-up can be described as blunt. She curses, talks about sex, and conducts herself in a way that others may not deem respectable. Some may consider her comedy to be raunchy, loud, and unladylike. Some may say that the way she conducts herself on stage in front of a large public audience, right, would make you question if she loves or takes pride in who she is. On stage, Monique is unapologetically herself, and she doesn't give a damn about what anyone thinks, or so it appears. And that's why people love her. If a stranger tapped her on the shoulder and gave her unsolicited advice on how she should deliver her comedy, on how she should behave and look like as a comedian in order to show self-pride, I would imagine that she would not like that at all. And that's the same advice she was giving in her video post. If Monique can be herself on stage and still be considered a queen, then black women can walk around the airport with their bonnet and be queens too. Number five. The airport is a place of transit. We are not talking about a baby christening or a wedding or the office. We are talking about the airport. It is a casual space that is also uncomfortable. Listen, sis, I'm not coming dressed to the nines to walk through a crowded busy airport, use those nasty public restrooms, and sit on a plane for five hours for what? Yes, I will bring my blanket because it's cold. Yes, I will wear my bonnet to protect my hair. Do not assume that my hair is not combed. That was rude AF, by the way. Like, the black women with the baddest hairdos keep their hair protected in bonnets until the time is right to reveal and unveil. The airport is not the place to do that. I want to get in, sit down, and get to my destination. The bonnet at the airport is about hair care, convenience, and practicality. I'm not messing up my hair, which is combed, Monique, for anyone. See, it's the not minding your business for me. Monique is pulling a Karen because Karens don't mind their business and find it bothersome when a black person is simply existing as they are in their space. With all due respect, Monique, mind your business. My bonnet has absolutely nothing to do with you. Let me exist in peace. Your interference does more harm than good. You are seeing a problem where there is none. Don't be like Karen. Leave me alone. Do not tap me on the shoulder. Your unsolicited advice or observations are unwanted. You have simply turned a personal pet peeve into a bigger issue of cultural pride that you would like all Black women to be responsible for and solve. With all due respect, Monique, your issue is a personal one. No one made you judge and jewelry, and I do not seek your validation. 
Do your own soul searching as to why you feel what you do and leave me out of it. And on that note, we're going to take a little break and I'll be right back with my epiphany. All right, we are back and now it's time for my epiphany. Why does it always feel like black women have to constantly protect ourselves? We are always collectively fighting against something or someone that seeks to strip away our womanhood or disregard us or bash us or demonize us or show us in a negative light. Always fighting for our right to be celebrated and exist in our blackness. In my opinion, Monique was not helping us at all. She did the exact opposite. When she said, and I quote, When I say, hey, queen, I can only say it to the sisters that it belongs to. Because a lot of us are still in queen training. Queens don't walk around with bonnets and headscarves and slippers and pajamas. That's for the house. When you go outside, represent you, baby, like you are worthy and you deserve the title. To me, that part of her video was the most harmful part of her video. With this statement alone, she was not helping Black women. She was instead reinforcing the idea that Black women don't deserve to be treated with respect unless we change something about who we are or change our behavior, change what we are doing wrong because we are the ones who are always wrong. When, in fact, Black women have done nothing wrong. Black women are minding their Black business. And instead of reinforcing our beauty and our value, she makes the world question it. And she forces us to defend ourselves once again. And there was no consistency. She said nothing about black men wearing do-rags, hoodies, sweatpants, and slides at the airport. By the way, there is a picture of one of the Kardashian girls, one of the the younger ones, wearing a do-rag in public as part of a what? fashion trend but I digress to my sisters let me do what Monique should have done and publicly build you up instead of tear you down to my sisters contrary to what Monique told you yes you are still a queen if you are wearing bonnets headscarves, slippers, or pajamas, or rollerblades. Your worth and value is not determined by what you, by what you wear in your head. 
You, my sisters, are worthy simply because you are. Simply because you exist. Be unapologetically yourself. Don't worry. The rest of the world will catch up to our genius. I know it's frustrating watching the rest of the world lag behind our pace. It is the price we pay for being visionaries, for being magical. I acknowledge all of you as queens. So if you see me rollerblading in my bonnet, I'm just throwing around a little black girl magic. We can inspire each other to unapologetically, blissfully exist as we are. Until the next time, peeps, be blessed, stay safe out in these streets, and I'll catch you the next time. Hey friends, thanks for listening. Please tune in every other Monday for a new episode of I Am Epiphany. You can learn more about me, Bethany Epiphany, at bethanyepiphany.com or follow me on Instagram at beepiphany. That is B-E-P-I-F-A-N-I. Until next time, everybody, peace.